Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right. Hello. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined with my very good friend, Luke Moody, and he's actually been reading my book, Everything You Should Know About Healthy Blood Sugar. Obviously, it's about blood sugar. And so he had some questions about it. He wanted to talk about it. I've had a lot of good feedback on this book. I've been told by several people that it's my best book, and I would agree. The purpose of it was not just to discuss blood sugar, but sort of to talk about most of the things that come up when we're talking about nutrient deficiencies. Why can't we get all these nutrients in the diet? What happened? What about the people who live 100 years? How did they get their nutrients? And I took the opportunity to dive deep into digestion because it's one of the most important things in health in general. A lot of times people come to us with arthritis, osteoporosis, but we can see that they clearly have a digestion problem and we always want to hit that first. We always want the body to be absorbing nutrients properly and digesting food properly for the real healing to take place. You can pour in all the supplements you want, but if they're not being absorbed properly, then we're not going to get a result. And of course, you can find this book and my other books, the ones that I've written and helped publish. Most of them are about health. And you can see the free versions of those books in the audiobook section on my website, noticebooks.org. Notice is spelled not us, so that's notusbooks.org. There you can also find all of my social media links. We are most active on Instagram. We have a few YouTube channels as well, covering the health and food and other stuff. And with that out of the way, Luke, what's up? How you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? Bit, uh, bit tired this morning, actually. You saw I sent you a picture. We are painting a big dog on a building downtown in my little town today pretty tiring going up and down the ladder it looks good are you planning on doing more more work down there yeah we're going back tomorrow morning we got to finish it tomorrow morning had to come back Um, for this podcast you know yeah i know it's good i have lots of questions for you so i hope you're ready pretty much done half the book so far so the first part of the book you talk about type 1 and type 2 diabetes and uh, i find that very interesting because i didn't know much how it all works with the insulin and being insulin dependent and everything my first question for you is what nutrients does the pancreas need to produce enough insulin? 
I wasn't sure if it was specific to the full 90, which I know you would recommend, or if you could break it down to like what minerals or vitamins or amino acids would need for just the pancreas. Well, the, the pancreas itself is a gland, right? The pancreas is a gland. It sits uh, kind of nuzzled in there beneath the stomach on top of the intestine. And when food goes into the intestine, the pancreas dumps enzymes, pancreatic enzymes into the mix there. The mix is called uh, chyme. That's what it's called, chyme, when it pours out of the stomach into the intestine. So it's a very acidic mix of hopefully broken down food and the stomach acid and the enzymes that are in the stomach acid as well, pepsin. And the gallbladder and the pancreas are both dumping enzymes in. Enzymes help to actually digest that food. Every food has an enzyme corresponding with it, like lactose, the milk protein, milk sugar. It has an enzyme called lactase. You've got proteases to digest proteins. You've got lipases to digest fats. So your pancreas and your gallbladder are what's dumping those enzymes in. And the gallbladder dumps bile in there as well to turn this whole thing into an alkaline mix rather than the highly acidic mix from the stomach. So the pancreas itself is a gland. All glands are fatty, basically. So really, what does the pancreas need to be healthy? It needs the fatty nutrients primarily. Fatty nutrients are cholesterol, the omegas, 3, 6, and 9, but especially 3. Vitamins D, E, A, and K. DEEK, the fatty vitamins. And selenium and zinc, fat-soluble minerals. And zinc is actually part of the insulin molecule. So that's one of the other big things that it needs. It needs enough zinc. And when we say... That type 1 diabetes, that's how we start this book off. Type 1 diabetes to us is a birth defect. If it's happened later in life, the pancreas is truly not producing enough insulin. There has to be one of these deficiencies there or more. Perhaps zinc, so the pancreas is not producing insulin and or properly, not enough of it. And you'd probably also see immune problems there at the same time. Because zinc is one of the biggest immune molecules, antioxidant molecules that your body depletes when it's sick, especially. But to us, it's a birth defect. So that happens in embryo. And zinc is actually one of the biggest nutrients involved in birth defects as well. Zinc deficiency causing birth defects. The other big ones are folic acid, manganese, and many of the other nutrients. You could be low on B vitamins and have a defect. And usually people aren't nutrient deficient, just one nutrient at a time. It's usually multiple nutrients at a time. So this whole thing about type 1, why it comes up a lot is because we have a lot of people who are like 30 years old, 50 years old, or more, and they've been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Well, to us, that's not truly possible because to us, type 1 is a birth defect. The pancreas isn't capable of producing enough insulin. So you need to be on synthetic insulin for the rest of your life. But type 2, they have plenty of insulin. They're insulin resistant. That's one of the definitions of type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance. You have enough insulin. The pancreas is producing enough insulin. You just can't use it properly. Those are nutrient deficiencies. We can talk about that. But yeah, this comes up a lot where doctors call people type 1 diabetes. And we believe it's because they're just not responding to the regular diabetes meds. So you can rightfully be diagnosed type 1 as a baby, as a child, or all the way up through puberty where... Your pancreas would have been producing enough insulin for the child body, but as the child's growing up, hitting the teenage years, there's these growth spurts, and now the body needs more of uh, the hormones and all this stuff, more insulin, more enzymes to deal with 
increased caloric load and the growth, all, everything that's going on. So the pancreas produced enough for them when they were a child, but they got diagnosed type one as a preteen or teen during puberty. And they'll need insulin for the rest of their life. If their pancreas truly is not producing enough insulin, there are people who think that there's other things going on causing the pancreas not to produce enough insulin, not just nutrient deficiencies, but deeper problems. But I don't think we need to touch on that because our basic protocol of telling people to get off of processed foods and giving them all 90 essential nutrients, they usually are able to get off of insulin quite quickly because they're not truly type 1 diabetic. And I don't know exactly which nutrient is causing the pancreas to malfunction, but I assume it's many of them. Just like most times when people come to us with serious problems, I just assume they have multiple deficiencies. So what about when you just said at the beginning there, uh, lactose, lactose, if someone's lactose free, does that affect uh, the production of insulin as well to the pancreas? To me, not really off the top of my head, unless... So say you are lactose intolerant, you're not producing the lactase enzyme, and you do consume dairy, that is going to inflame your intestines, it's going to irritate your gut, it's going to cause digestive distress, just like eating gluten would to someone who's gluten intolerant, right? Or those of us who have been gluten free for a while, yeah. our bodies will react to it with an inflammatory response. So part of diabetes, I'm sure you just look at people, not everyone with diabetes is overweight and inflamed, but many of them are. So you can just tell by looking at them that alongside the blood sugar problem itself, there's obviously a digestion problem there. And that could be happening from dairy. If, yeah, if you're intolerant to dairy or you are lactose intolerant, you can take a lactase enzyme supplement before you eat dairy. But yeah, if you're causing inflammation on your body, basically on your digestion tract, then you can expect problems in multiple glands, not just the pancreas, also the thyroid, maybe even the pituitary, you know, all these glands need the same nutrients. All these glands that produce something in the gland to be used elsewhere in the body, it's kind of the definition of a gland, all these things that uh, cause your body to set off other responses, you know, your thyroid can tell your adrenals to pump out this hormone or that hormone, stress hormone or relaxation hormones. You know, so if your glands are off, you can have all kinds of problems in the body. And usually if someone has a, a pancreas problem, if they come to us with type one diabetes, especially if they're older and they just got diagnosed as they're older, I know they have problems in other glands too, most likely. We don't need to focus our attention that much on it because the same nutrients are used by all these different glands. So we don't need to go on and on and go through the list of all the glands in the body. I would just assume that there's going to be problems in all of them or most of them. Okay, so... If a type 1 diabetic is insulin, insulin dependent for the rest of their life, how can they benefit from supplementing and keeping a healthy blood sugar in their body? So if they already need insulin all the time, like what's a super benefit? Like they still have to take insulin, but they also have to supplement. Would it just be getting rid of all the other issues, but they're still technically a diabetic, a type 1? Can you explain on that? Yeah, yeah, you, you got it. And it's a good question. So just because they'll need insulin for the rest of their life doesn't mean that we can't fix the rest of what's going on, right? The insulin problem is an isolated problem. If your pancreas is not producing enough insulin, that's one problem, and it can be handled by using synthetic insulin from an animal or from a bacteria, actually. They can grow it, too. But they could still have a digestion problem. They could still be overweight. They could still have uh, acne, dermatitis, fungus, candida, arthritis, osteoporosis, cancer, a lymphatic problem, 
uh, varicose veins, hemorrhoids, uh, neuropathies, right? They could still have all these problems just because you have enough insulin. That's only one part of the puzzle here. And we commonly see, yeah, type ones with pretty obvious and pretty serious other health problems, high blood pressure, right? High cholesterol and triglycerides, which is an even better marker of inflammation in the body. You can look at them and you can see they're, they're obviously overweight. Most, you know, people out there in America, Canada, it's like over half that are overweight. Not everyone's obese, but you can just tell that things are off. So yeah, they need insulin for sure, of course, to utilize blood, we- to utilize sugar, but you need more than that too. You need other nutrients. Again, every every other symptom that you could name, muscle cramps and shin splints and eye twitches and you know, uh, you need reading glasses now, but you didn't before when you were a kid because your your eyes are degenerating. Literally every other problem in the book would be a reason to do all the other things. Insulin itself isn't just a magic bullet that causes someone to be completely health- healthy and disease-free. It just gives them the insulin that their pancreas is not producing. Is there any possible way, I guess it depends on the individual person, but through supplementing and maintaining healthy blood sugar, can they lower their insulin doses or do they still have to be on the same amount? A lot of people in longevity, like longevity distributors, I've met plenty of type one people who, yeah, they're able to lower their dose significantly and often lose a whole bunch of weight. And like I said, the other symptoms, maybe they had high blood pressure before some other concern and they fix those things and, you know, they're looking better and stuff. And yeah, they still have to inject themselves with, with insulin, but it's a lower dose. Yeah, that happens all the time. Uh, I was listening at the beginning of your book as well. And uh, I'm not sure if you said most or all, or maybe I heard something in there, but maybe you can explain on this. If everyone was able to control their blood sugar levels, do you think we could eliminate most to all diseases as long as we're supplementing and eliminating the bad foods? It's a big one. This is part of why I wrote the book about blood sugar, because it's one of those problems that umbrellas into other problems as well. And, you know, when people come to us with one set of problems, often blood sugar is is in there, it's thrown in the mix. But it's like high blood pressure. It's a sign that the body's not working properly. Even though there are specific nutrient deficiencies involved in like type 2 diabetes, it is a sign that the overall body is off. That's why people come to us with blood sugar problems. And most of the time, it has to be nine out of 10 times, they also have a blood pressure problem. They also have hypertension. A lot of them also have acid reflux or, you know, they've got these other symptoms. It's not just the strict blood sugar symptoms like uh, hyperactivity, ADD, ADHD, bipolar, manic depression, um, all the sleep ones that we talk about in the book. Everything from narcolepsy to teeth grinding to night sweating to night terrors or nightmares, night walking, night talking, waking up in the middle of the night to urinate or wetting the bed. All of these are blood sugar symptoms, as is actual diabetes itself. And more simple things like getting real irritable before you eat and getting tired after you eat, you know, classic low blood sugar symptoms. But those are more minor. But I'm saying that people come with some of those symptoms but then they also have other things. Maybe it's low testosterone. Like I said, it's usually blood pressure as well. High cholesterol is very common as well. So they're coming to us with other problems. And that's why the, the blood sugar book talks about a lot of the basics that we cover for any problem. If you come to us with arthritis or cancer or hypertension or epilepsy, it doesn't matter. We're always going to talk about the same basic things, healthy digestion, 
staying off the bad foods, which is a short list of foods that we have that are what we call the worst offenders out there. There's thousands of different, you know, chemical ingredients and preservatives and all kinds of things that people can nitpick about. But we just say get off of our list of the worst foods. And of course, take all 90 essential nutrients because these problems are caused by the same root causes. And most of that is just the bad foods, processed foods and nutrient deficiencies. The same categories can cause blood sugar problems, thyroid problems, blood pressure problems. Because even though there's a few key ones, like I said, with type 2 diabetes, and we might as well just name them because people get upset when we don't name them, you need chromium to make glucose tolerance factor. Right? Remember that type 2 diabetics are insulin resistant. The glucose tolerance factor helps you utilize sugar through using insulin. And you also need vanadium to sensitize the cells to insulin, the cell membrane. Because when insulin arrives at the door of the cell, the membrane of the cell, it needs to recognize the insulin, right? Insulin resistance. Why is the insulin and the sugar not getting into the cells properly? So you've got too much sugar floating around in the blood now because it's not being let into the cells by these messenger chemicals, you know, nerve impulses that need these minerals. The cell just can't recognize the insulin. But those specific nutrients, like I said, they hardly ever come one by one that you're only going to see a deficiency of one or two nutrients in the laboratory. It's even, it's pretty difficult to achieve, especially with these trace minerals. So people with the nutrient deficiencies that cause blood sugar problems likely also have deficiencies in the nutrients that cause blood pressure problems, blood cholesterol problems, thyroid problems, etc. So would you say at the very beginning when we do our protocols on people that want to uh, live a healthier life, that most symptoms right off the bat have to do with a blood sugar problem. And then if you leave it for too long, that you could probably have worse symptoms, obviously down the road. Do you think it all starts or mostly the diseases start from not having healthy blood sugar? Do you think it all starts from there or just like say 90% of it? Not all of it. So, you know, in longevity, we have this uh, four categories of disease, which really should be at least five categories of disease if we count infections. But we've got hard tissues or calcium deficiency, calcium and its cofactors. We've got soft tissues, which is fatty nutrient deficiency, especially EFAs and selenium. You've got digestion problems and you've got blood sugar problems. Blood sugar has its own category in our four categories of disease. But the reason I spent so long on digestion in the book and why we spend so long on digestion in our normal daily practice when we talk to people on Instagram and do videos and stuff, because digestion problems can cause blood sugar problems. And the same nutrients, not chromium and vanadium and zinc that we've already mentioned, but especially the B vitamins. If you're deficient in B vitamins, that causes digestion problems. It causes the stomach not to produce acidity properly. It causes indigestion itself. And these things can be vicious cycles because bad foods can cause nutrient deficiencies and the nutrient deficiencies can cause digestion problems. And now you're going to absorb even less nutrients when you do try to because the original nutrient deficiency caused a digestion problem. I'm just saying that a digestion problem can cause a blood sugar problem. A digestion problem can also cause the fatty nutrient problem. And the digestion problem can cause all three at once. So that's 75% out of our four categories. Calcium is somewhat separate, but calcium is also involved in blood sugar. Like Dr. Wallach doesn't like talking about individual nutrients because the more you learn and the more I've been learning about individual nutrients, the more I see that 
in pretty much every single case, every single symptom that you can name, multiple nutrients can cause that. You know, multiple nutrient deficiencies can cause insomnia, irritability, infertility, anorexia, and on and on. You know, one B vitamin can do it, but so can this other mineral, etc., etc. There's so many different nutrients involved in every single body process that we are being most honest when we shorthand it out and say we just need to take all 90 essential nutrients rather than putting our attention on the individual ones. Is that why we uh, we recommend to all of our new longevity warriors to uh, take the digestion pack so we can start off with a healthier body to absorb the whole 90 so we can eliminate all issues, even if 75% of it as you just talked about is uh, related to blood sugar so we can get everything working properly? Yeah, and to, to answer your, your first question, blood sugar is just usually related and Blood sugar problems themselves are so rampant. It's like at least a third of the American population has a medically significant blood sugar problem. I would estimate it's probably closer to half or even more than half if you include those behavioral symptoms and the sleep symptoms, because I see it so often. And yeah, we do start about 75% of the people that come to us on a digestion protocol, unless it's an emergency or unless they already do that basically they're already gluten-free they already take probiotics and enzymes and stuff then i'm just going to skip the digestion protocol because they're already living that lifestyle but it is about 75 percent of people where i can look at their answers to our questionnaire and say definitely this person should start with digestion and usually it's like 10 different symptoms and blood sugar problems it might be three or four of them and then they've got some other symptoms like i said blood pressure varicose veins stuff like that which are technically different nutrient deficiencies that we could talk about too. But in essence, you can see that they're deficient in multiple things. And you can assume that the diet of processed foods, even if it's 50% processed foods and 50% real foods, that alone is going to cause major nutrient imbalances and, and deficiencies. So we just, we just go in and correct all of this all the time. Of course, it's up sure. to them to actually do it, but it's the same basic advice if you come to us with a blood pressure problem or you just want to lose weight or you want to prevent disease, in our opinion, or you have something serious, if you have something more serious like cancer, the protocol doesn't really change. We can add more to it. And we just, of course, urge the person to take it more seriously than a normal person. So, Ryan, when I was uh, when I was listening to a few things of uh, when I was listening to more of your book this morning, I happened to notice across the screen uh, just in the background about, I just wanted to know what you thought about this. Cause there's a lot of advertisement about vitamins and stuff. And one came across, uh, I don't know if it's just sold in Canada, but maybe the U S as well. It's called Metamucil. And it said right at the back, right at the end of the advertisement to help and maintain healthy blood sugar. What do you think about that? I don't remember what's in Metamucil. So I'm looking it up right now. A lot of, a lot of fiber. Well, having more fiber would help you move the waste through the system. We do need fiber. We need fiber and starch to feed our probiotics, which are crucial to absorbing B vitamins at the end of the Actually, digestion system there. Sorry. And also too, it showed a little uh, picture on there as well. Almost looked like how you would describe Dimatius Earth, uh, pushing bacteria through the, through the intestine to get rid of all the bad bacteria. It almost showed a picture of that, uh, picking up all the bad stuff all the way through. And then 
them promoting healthy blood sugar at the end. So that's what I remember about that commercial. Psyllium husk is promoted the exact same way as diatomaceous earth. So is bentonite clay, basically. It's clumps of stuff, in this case fiber, moving through the system, picking up stuff, picking up crud, picking up potentially pathogens, bacteria, fungus, yeast, mold, maybe some bigger pathogens because it can kill them on contact. That's diatomaceous earth. Psyllium husk, I don't think so. I think it's mostly just about moving things through the system. So yeah, you push out a bunch of waste in your system and now your whole large intestine, all the probiotics in it, they can actually get to work pulling out those last B vitamins and other nutrients because that's the final stage on the conveyor belt of digestion, right? You've only got two major opportunities to digest nutrients, to absorb them. One is in the small intestine and the next is in the next stage in the large intestine. So if that's full of crap, literally... Your bacteria can't really do their job. If you're full of uh, sluggish, you know, it is, it's toxic waste. You can't absorb nutrients properly in the large intestine. And that can actually be reabsorbed into the blood. And now you've got a toxicity problem in the blood. Now your body's got to go and deploy blood cells and other immune factors to go and deal with this toxic stuff that got into your blood because it was sitting in the colon too long. So yeah, Metamucil could potentially help in that way. I'm sure they've got a qualified health claim from the FDA about that, that they're linking that to. Not sure. Metamucil, I'm looking at it now, also has aspartame in it. Not really going to go into that, but I would say that that's a, it's a totally unnecessary ingredient here. You could totally just take psyllium husk by itself. You don't need this acylfame potassium. You don't need red number 40. Definitely don't need maltodextrin and natural lemon flavor, whatever that means. You were just talking about uh, dirty blood. I was going to ask you a question about that. How can you tell if someone has bile getting absorbed into their bloodstream, aka dirty blood? Would you know off the bat, or would that be through your protocol to know that these people are getting toxic or have toxic blood? Well, the easiest way for me to know things is to not diagnose them at all. One of our first questions on the questionnaire is, do you have any diagnoses or symptoms already? So a lot of people come to us and they say, I have IBS. I've been diagnosed with IBS. I've been diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So that's easy. I don't have to do the diagnosing. They already come with the diagnosis. But your real question, no, I wouldn't know off the hop. I would expect you to have multiple problems, immune problems, probably acne, probably chronic fatigue. You're just not doing good. You're not feeling good. And I would expect... A range of minor symptoms, a whole bunch of little things. Maybe they don't sleep very well. Maybe they're dependent on caffeine and energy drinks, or they have cramps or random pains and stuff like that, pins and needles. And on the questionnaire, we give an optional thing where you can show us a picture of your nails, your fingernails or toenails. I had to choose one part of the body to look at that would give me the most information. But I think I would get more information from the eyes. If we were talking about dirty blood, I would expect cloudy eyes, maybe yellow eyes, jaundice, maybe really dark bags under and around the eyes, stuff like that. But again, acne, chin acne, back knee, perhaps psoriasis, eczema, stuff like that, where, yeah, we know there's deficiencies involved. But when you see a whole bunch of different things like this, you can assume that there is a digestion problem there. And that should be one of the things happening if you have any digestion problem. Like if you don't have enough stomach acid, you're not breaking down proteins properly in the stomach. They get into the intestine undigested. They're supposed to be broken into amino acids, but instead they're long chains of proteins. The body's still going to try and absorb those. 
And whole proteins are not supposed to get into the blood. It's supposed to be individual amino acids going into the small intestine because they've already been broken up in the stomach so that they can be absorbed. But if whole proteins get into the blood, that's a problem. The body's supposed to mobilize an immune response against that. So yeah, you can see people who are just a mess. They get colds all the time. They could get more serious things like nosebleeds, maybe ear infection, urinary tract infection. You can tell they have an overall immune system problem by their symptoms. And if you have any other suspicion of a digestion problem, I would just at that point assume that leaky gut or dirty blood is a factor here. But that can reverse quite quickly, too. You do the digestion protocol that we have. You get off, especially the grains, wheat, barley, rye, oats. And we put quinoa and buckwheat on that list, too. Wheat, barley, rye, oats, quinoa and buckwheat. Get off of those. Stop inflaming the intestines. Some other foods could as well, but those are the most likely culprits. Give your body lots of probiotics, lots of nutrients. Take enzymes for a while to help your body out, to digest things even further. This can reset. Your body can clean itself out real quick, can clean the blood can get everything moving properly. And then once that happens, you'll be absorbing more nutrients from food. There are some in food and you'll be absorbing them from supplements as well if you take them. And then the body can now fix those other problems, right? It can supply enough of the electrolyte nutrients to have healthy muscles. So you're not cramping, not having shin splints, all that stuff, the headaches, dry lips and heels, whatever the problem is, the body can now actually deploy nutrients to fix those once it can absorb them properly. I heard you also saying something as well in the book about quick eating. And this one really, uh, I like to eat quick. I do like food. I'm not going to lie. The Canadian and I guess US working force that go to work and eat quick every day. Now, quick eating, because you're talking about not absorbing stuff properly, if someone can't change that lifestyle and eat their food slower or take their nutrients slower, do you suggest them taking enzymes because you're not producing them before you consume food? Or yeah, that, that might even that? be something I update in the book. There's very little that I actually want to update in this book, but I used to think all the way up until I wrote this book that taking enzymes short term was a really good idea. Now I think it's a better idea even long term. Because most of us cook our food. We eat cooked food. And when we cook food, we kill the enzymes in it. We do have some enzymes in our body. We make our own enzymes. Yes, we make enzymes in the mouth. Even when we first start thinking about food, we start getting hungry. We start salivating. We're producing enzymes in the mouth. We also produce enzymes in the stomach, especially pepsin, which is one of the key components. Stomach acid is mostly hydrochloric acid and pepsin. And we produce our pancreatic enzymes, as I mentioned, and our gallbladder enzymes. But all of those organs are taxed if you're already nutrient deficient, first of all. Second of all, just long term for decades and decades, we're eating cooked food. So I've been using enzymes now full time, every day, before every meal. I feel so much better. I, I used to get random stomach pains. It took me a while to really figure it out what it was. And I do think it was actually the enzymes, the missing enzymes from the food, just the continual habit of eating cooked food every day forever and as we get older we produce less and less enzymes even if you have all the nutrients just produce a little bit less stomach acid as the decades go on i'm only 33 years old i'm not saying that i'm really getting that old but the enzymes have helped me a lot so i actually think it's a really good habit to do it long term especially if you can afford to add that in on your supplement regimen i've been taking four a day I, that's a general recommendation there two before you're 
two main meals or one before a smaller meal, two before the next. You split it up however you want. You can take more than that. Doesn't There's no real upper limit here. But yeah, I used to emphasize doing it short term. And I think it's actually much smarter long term now, especially if you have a quick break. I think 30 minute breaks should be illegal flat out. You know, it's inhuman, basically. I used to have 30 minute breaks uh, back when I worked at the uh, tire shop there. And that was, yeah, it was brutal to try and go out and get lunch. I, of course, would usually bring my own lunch, but still hard to just have a few minutes to relax and eat your food. And it is important because if you just jump off of work, and just devour something, you haven't given your body time to produce stomach acid properly and produce enzymes in your mouth. You might notice if you're really stressed out and not thinking about food, you can hardly chew your food. It's all still dry, right? You're trying to chew like uh, some carbs or something, and it's not really breaking down in your mouth because it's not just chewing that breaks down food. It is the saliva and the enzymes that, that do a lot of the work. So if, if you haven't thought about it first, you don't have to meditate on it, but thinking about it, anticipating it so that your body produces all those gastric juices, you might not digest your meal properly. You might not have healthy bowel movements, and you might have chronic low-grade pain, chronic minor acne. I keep saying minor things because this I'm thinking about young people and stuff. You're talking about breaks. But as you get older, this will be more and more pronounced. The aches and pains will get more and more pronounced. The digestion problems, perhaps, yeah, your doctor's bugging you now about blood pressure, blood sugar, blood cholesterol. You're 40 years old. Your doctor wants to put you on a statin drug. It's not just because you eat too fast, but it's one major thing. If you digest your food properly, you can utilize that food properly. And the food has less chance of harming you because even a good food doesn't matter whether it's a banana or a piece of meat or vegetable. If it's going into the intestine undigested, the body has a chance of absorbing those proteins and your body can mobilize an inflammatory response even if it's celery or watermelon, it does not matter if it wasn't digested properly. If that gets absorbed, those whole food particles get absorbed into the blood. You've now got an immune problem, basically. So I wanted to ask you, how do you know, say someone isn't taking enzymes currently and uh, before they, like, I remember you describing a way of like, as you're making the food, your, your, your mouth starts salivating. And how do you know if you're producing the enzymes before you consume a meal? Is that something that you can notice so you can have proper uh, digestion? Well, you'd have to pay attention to it. You know when you've been anticipating a meal for a while or when you first wake up. If you're like me and you don't eat breakfast, you know, your stomach feels empty. It just feels like nothing's going on. But as it gets a little bit later in the day, you feel your stomach doing stuff. Yeah, you can feel it getting ready to eat. When you're really hungry, you, you can literally feel yourself salivating. It's not just saliva that your body's producing. It's enzymes in that saliva. Those would be the main telltale signs. But you can also so feel if, you, if you're not ready to eat, if you're not thinking about eating, you're probably not. You should probably take a few moments at the very least, a few minutes, and think about it, anticipate it. Literally think about the food before you eat it. It sounds like a simple thing, but what would you do in the natural environment? You know, in the primitive environment, the blue zones, you might be out there tending the garden all day or doing you know, hunting or something like that. And you're going to get hungry and you're going to start thinking about eating long before you eat. Most likely, you know, you go into the house, your, your mom, or your grandma or your wife or someone's got the lunch cooking. You can smell it. It smells good. You got to sit there and wait for it to be done. Right. Just any home cooking experiences this. You can smell it long before it's finished. 
that starts waking up your whole body to start producing gastric juices, you know it's going to be time to eat very soon. And yeah, anybody in these natural environments, they would be able to think about it. You're you're sitting there in the fields doing field work. What else are you thinking about? You know, you've been out there for a few hours. Of course, you're going to start thinking about food. And so by the time so, you're done your tasks and stuff and you wander back to the house, you're already ready to eat. Just a lot of us were thinking about doing the work, the task at hand, and then we rush off to eat and it's just not digested adequately. So could we even say for people that are also obese as well or also consume a lot more than what they should, that overeating can also result in improper digestion, even though you're hungry, it could still not digest your food properly because you're consuming so much during the day. Of course. And it's a common dieting tip to actually chew your food more. I said that in the book too, not just think about it, but chew the food more. There's a whole movement out there called the slow food movement, slow food. And the whole concept is to slow down, appreciate your food, chew it multiple times. You hear like 10 to 40 times I've heard people say chew each bite 40 times. And if it's real food, it becomes more flavorful, actually. And you move it all around your tongue to appreciate the taste on the different parts of your tongue because there's different taste buds on different parts of your tongue. And with those 10 to 40 bites, you can really appreciate the food, first of all. Second of all, it takes way longer to eat. So your little bowl of food can take you a while to actually eat. And now your body has long enough to tell you it's full, too. Of course, you can eat way more than you needed just by eating too fast. And you're not digesting it adequately. And your body's now going to be forcing it through the stomach as fast as possible to accommodate the next loads that are coming in. None of that's going to be digested properly. But yeah, if you take your time and eat, you're likely to eat a lot less food. Again, common diet advice. Lots of different diet programs will throw that tidbit in there. They'll say, use smaller forks and spoons and smaller bowls. And take smaller bites and chew them longer and appreciate them more. This is about forming healthy food habits, right? Healthy food habits is eating less, appreciating it more. Having that food be real food so it's actually nourishing you. And yeah, not too much food so you can actually accomplish digestion properly. Because when that conveyor belt clogs up with food, that, that causes problems too. So this would also help too if we were supplementing as well, right? Because if we have a lot of cravings, because obviously we don't have the right nutrients in our bodies. Some people can't help themselves, but not to stop eating. So I would recommend, and I'm assuming you would, that uh, proper supplementation as well could reduce the amount of eating that you were doing if you're overeating. Am I correct to say that? Yeah, of course. Most mineral deficiencies can cause craving, but the big ones are salt and calcium. Salt and calcium. And if an animal is doing this on the farm, if a cow or a horse or a pig or a goat is chewing the feed box instead of the feed, or it's eating leather gloves or the handles of tools, or it's eating dirt, Eating stuff that's not food, they call it pica in animals. We call it the munchies in human beings. A farmer is supposed to give the animals a trace mineral salt block and bone meal, right? Salt and calcium, biggest nutrients that cause the biggest cravings. So we fix this problem in animals by giving them salt and by giving them calcium. Humans, even healthy humans that go to the gym and stuff, a lot of them have these cheat days, you know, Friday, Saturday or something. But I was in the gym for a long time and I know that a lot of these people, including myself, you know, we would have these binges of eating junk food. And I think it's mostly because of the salt. That's my point in bringing this up. I would throw this in the salt category. The most unhealthy eating processed foods, even candy bars and soda, are loaded with salt. 
And I think your body's actually just craving the salt. That's why you're overeating. So yeah, you, you asked about supplements and yeah, we sell supplements, especially that calcium. You're not going to get enough in food. Of course, we recommend being on that, being on our bone formula, being on all 90 essential nutrients. But salt is one thing you have to do on your own. And that is one of the huge, huge ones here. I think this is why so many health-minded people can't stop themselves from going out late at night to a convenience store and buying junk food. And again, a lot of it looks like it's sugary, but I really highly suspect the body's just craving the salt alone. And yeah, when you correct that calcium deficiency too, which is one of the huge ones, if not the most important deficiency in our food supply, once that's corrected with supplements, yeah, hunger should go down. It is one of the most common things for people to quickly lose their hunger when they're on our program. Sometimes they can get hungrier for a while, believe it or not. That does happen too. I think that's because you didn't have the cofactors before and the body says, oh, great. Now we can finally digest food properly. It makes you super hungry for a while until that evens out. But yeah, the most common thing is to get to get less hungry. And then, of course, you do have to decrease your portions. And we're talking about the slow eating and more chewing. That's one of the easiest ways to lower your portions and to stretch out your meals and actually be satisfied with it. Eat to the point of satisfaction, not beyond it. For the salt intake, obviously not a, a bleach salt, but like a Himalayan salt or sea salt. Is there like a recommended dose per body weight of how much you should take? No, we get asked that a lot too. I can't actually give a dosage of how much salt you need because your salt demands change day by day. I was just out there working on that ladder on that big dog painting today. I was exhausted. You know, I was in the sun. I need a lot more salt today than I did yesterday where I didn't go out in the sun. As you eat more, you need more salt. If you drink alcohol, caffeine, any of that, you need more salt. So now since you've come home and now you're exhausted, do you consume more salt water, like something maybe more saltier today, or would you just add that into your food? I always put it in the water because you can taste it directly. This is called salt to taste. You salt until you can taste the salt. Today when I came home tired and dehydrated, I tapped a whole bunch of salt into my cup. I have my cup right here too. I tapped a bunch of salt into it. And I actually still can't taste it. I should have added a bit more. On a normal day, this would have been enough for me. I would have been able to taste it. And then you wouldn't have added more. Your body says that's enough salt because it tastes salty. It'll taste too salty if you have enough salt. But yeah, right now I put a bunch in and it still doesn't really taste like salt. That means I need more. So you want to salt so to taste. That's why we can't give you like an amount. I don't know how much it's going to take for you to, to taste your water, to taste your food, to taste the salt on it. That's it. Once you're doing that, then you should have enough. I guess it's like drinking uh, drinking water. A lot of people don't drink water, but like it's not something you just generally want to drink is salt water. I think you'd have to do it for a long period of time just to appreciate it. Cause I, I love it. I enjoy it. Without the salt in it, it feels so flat now. But do you enjoy it because you know the benefit of it? Or do you actually enjoy it for the taste? No, it's genuinely refreshing. The longest lived people, at least what many people consider the longest lived people, the Hunza people in northern Pakistan, they consume, first of all, very mineral rich water from their mountain river streams. But they also drink that water with a chunk of rock salt in the bottom of their cup. Big chunk of rock salt that's constantly leaching out into the water they drink. And at high elevation there, they need to stay extra hydrated. So the salt is a big part of what helps them stay hydrated. Lots of water, lots of salt throughout the day. And yeah, it does taste good. I don't I don't want plain water. Yeah. I also bet that a lot of people don't like plain water. You know, they're drinking all these juices and stuff, which also have salt added to them most of the time. 
But sugar is also an electrolyte too. So it can kind of trick the body for its salt needs just a little bit. But yeah, why do you think the average person doesn't like drinking plain water? They like soda. They like juices. All these drinks, even healthy people, they're drinking these kombuchas, all these other health marketed drinks. The flavoring inevitably is some form of electrolyte. And I think that's why they prefer these flavored drinks, these processed drinks over water. I would too. I don't want to drink plain water. It's going to dehydrate you over time unless you're putting a lot of salt on your food. I like to just make up for it by putting salt in the water. And absolutely, it makes me want to actually drink the water. Yeah, I agree. I was also listening to something as well about uh, in your book that you suggested a few foods that had good uh, probiotics in it. I heard yogurt and sauerkraut. What would you recommend just food to take? What would you bet? What would have the the most probiotics in the food if you were going to eat something with that in it? Well, probably raw milk or kefir. If I had to guess that total, I'm not an expert here, but let's talk about sauerkraut. I really like sauerkraut because it combines two superfoods. Basically sauerkraut's made of cabbage. Cabbage is a cruciferous vegetable, but cabbage itself is widely known in the alternative health world, especially the juicing world. Cabbage is known to be great for digestion, whether you juice it or eat it. We like to cook it, of course, and add butter and various spices to it. But cabbage is an excellent digestion food in the first place. It's also extremely low calorie, right? There's not much to it. So you're not eating a whole bunch of food when you're eating it. And yeah, third of all, it's got the probiotics in it too, because it's fermented. And that's really, really a triple whammy food there. That can't be canned food, right? That's fresh, fresh organic food. Ideally, you want to make it fresh. Yeah. And you can make sauerkraut yourself. It's it's quite easy to do. We do have food accounts, by the way, on Instagram and on YouTube. And you can actually contact us. And we do actually have a cookbook, Dr. Wallach's Cooking Without the Bad Foods. Um, I also wanted to ask you, too, about uh, phytonutrients. I'm not sure what those are. Um, I wanted you to explain further on what phytonutrients are. I think you were explaining something about minerals being absorbed into plants. And then you touched on uh, phytonutrients. Phytonutrient is anything that's made by a plant. So that could be anything from vitamins, also antioxidants, like everyone knows about resveratrol in grapes, right? In red wine as well, or red wine vinegar, resveratrol, that's the antioxidant. That's a phytonutrient that grapes make. So all these different antioxidants and vitamins and stuff, like uh, the carotenes, not just beta carotene, there's a whole bunch of different carotenes that can convert into vitamin A in the body. These are all plant nutrients. On our list of essential vitamins, we actually have flavonoids and bioflavonoids. And I've seen other people, even regular mainstream doctors, put flavonoids and bioflavonoids on their essential nutrient list, even though, like we say, there's 16 essential vitamins. One of those 16 is these flavonoids and bioflavonoids. But that is actually a huge, huge category of plant nutrients. Resveratrol being one, turmeric, quercetin, you know, and onions and garlic. These are basically flavonoids and bioflavonoids. And there's a whole bunch of different ones like terpenes and all this. It can get super complicated, but yeah, there's thousands upon thousands, if not millions of different phytonutrients. And science doesn't have all of them figured out. For example, there's hundreds of unidentified nutrients in honey and lots of other of these superfoods. There's tons of things that we haven't fully even identified yet and may never identify just huge groups of plant nutrients 
that more or less act as an antioxidant, but an antioxidant is just kind of a shorthand term. It does not truly explain what these things do. And I'm not claiming to even fully know what these things do, but they definitely have numerous regulating effects on the body. Like we know, for example, blood pressure problems can be basically just caused by nutritional deficiencies and not just one. You could have a B vitamin deficiency. You could have a calcium deficiency or a magnesium deficiency. You could have all kinds of different deficiencies. You could have an omega-3 deficiency. It could cause a blood pressure problem, but you could also give some of these super juices. There's plenty of studies with any of these various super juices or things like honey, and they will have an effect on blood pressure. I'm not saying they'll completely reverse it, completely cure it, but they have noticeable scientific effects similar to nutrients. So these plant compounds can do things that a regular nutrient would do on its own, but they're able to do it maybe even without the same nutritional complex. So you understand what I'm saying? They have like some magic to them where they can affect your blood pressure, even if you have a nutrient deficiency still happening, like a medicinal effect. So if you were to take these superfoods, like, and you're still not like supplementing properly, are you just maintaining that symptom for a while until you stop taking it? Or do you think they'll actually reverse that effect of it? Well, it depends on the deficiency. These superfoods they will have some of the key nutrients, like the vitamins in it. You can't count on them having minerals, definitely not enough minerals. So superfoods are not going to fix a calcium deficiency problem, which is a huge, huge, huge category of diseases, not just osteoporosis and arthritis, but basically all of the muscle problems and all the nervous system problems are going to have something to do with calcium deficiency and its cofactors. So superfoods are not going to fix those, but they definitely will have vitamins and other plant nutrients in it that might even act exactly like a vitamin. We know that some of these plant nutrients can do similar things to the vitamins, even without being the vitamin themselves. But these things will also have vitamins in it, is my point. They usually won't show up on the label. Like if you have just oranges in your product, it can be on the label, it just says oranges. Those oranges are going to have some vitamin C and stuff in it. But unless, in most cases, unless you've added vitamin C to the product, the vitamin C doesn't show up on the label. So you can just assume that these super juices do have some nutrients in them that, yeah, of course, they can fill in a deficiency if you have that deficiency, but yeah, it's not going to fill in other deficiencies. Like it doesn't matter how much super juice you have. If, if you don't have enough iron, you don't have enough iron. If you don't have enough B12, you don't have enough B12. So what superfoods do you like to take? Well, we take a whole bunch of them in tangy tangerine, right? Yeah. But do you ever eat any superfood that you enjoy as a meal? Well, I like raw honey a lot and I like uh, the saxy juice that we have. Let me look up what is in Saxy. Is sauerkraut considered that as well, too? Uh, yeah, I think you could put cabbage into the superfood category and sauerkraut. Yeah, I, I think you could. I'm just looking at the ingredients here of some of these products because you asked. I should know this off the top of my head. but So the Saxy juice is pear and apple juice, aloe vera, pineapple, black currant, concord grape, acai. That's definitely a super juice, the acai. Pomegranate, that's also definitely a super juice. Elderberry, that's also definitely a super juice. Mackleberry, mangosteen, definitely a superfood. Is this sax juice sold as like a bottled beverage or what is this? And quercetin too. No, they're sachets. They're the stick pack sachets of powder. Okay. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Been using that lately. And the tangy tangerine itself is a superfood thing too. It's got all kinds of you know, superfood ingredients in it. Do you believe that if most people manage their blood sugar, that we can eliminate most of the medical industry? 
It's hard to say most, but diabetes has been called the most expensive disease. That was before the pandemic, but it would definitely eliminate billions of dollars immediately because diabetes type 2 is so expensive for our society, yeah. But just as blood sugar itself, obviously we just spoke earlier about probably about 75% of someone's issue mostly relates to blood sugar problems. Do you think that if that was managed, a lot more people will be healthier and not medically dependent on drugs? Absolutely. It's hard to give a number to that, but definitely many, many millions of people, anybody who is using the medical establishment for type 2 diabetes or related complications such as gangrene or blindness or, or overweight obesity, yeah, all of that could just vanish if these steps were implemented. Because this is one of the fastest results that we get in this business, right? It does take several months to regrow a knee or, you know, a torn meniscus or something like that. Uh, It does take pretty serious effort, actually, to reverse a thyroid problem. Thyroid problems can be quite tricky. We need to use quite a heavy hammer, a lot of product there. Candida can be a real pain to kill, a real pain. It can take many, many months to get rid of a candida problem, But the fastest I've ever seen someone get off of their diabetes meds and blood pressure meds at the same time was four days with permission from her doctor. I believe it was a 61-year-old woman, moderately overweight, not obese. And yeah, four days, four days she regulated her blood sugar. And it happens all the time in like a week, all the time in like two weeks. Sometimes it does take longer. Sometimes it is trickier. There's only been a handful of cases that took me or took us uh, several months, you know, more than two months. But that's on the long end. The oddball cases that I have took more than two months. Most of them did not. So in two months, you could shut down a huge portion of the medical establishment for sure. And let me throw in here, by the way, that the tangy tangerine, yeah, it is based on superfood concept. That was the whole thing behind the original tangy tangerine was taking a whole bunch of superfoods, making them into a juice, and then adding the rest of the 90th century nutrients in. So a lot of those same ingredients that was in the Saxy juice are in here as well. And other ones too, like uh, blueberry, blackcurrant was in Saxy, grapefruit, ginger, garlic, holy basil, papaya, parsley, pear, pineapple, plum, pomegranate, prune, grape, raspberry, shiitake, mushroom, spinach, spirulina, strawberry, tomato, turmeric. And a lot of those sound like everyday kitchen items like you know, tomato. Yeah, but they're in heavier doses, though, right? Like you're just having a piece of it where they're condensing all that into a powder. Yeah, you're getting concentrates. We're pulling out the water. So it's just the concentrated nutrients, basically. And yeah, so that's a blend of super juice that we take all the time. So I don't really feel the need to, you know, fill my plate with superfoods. I don't know where I'm going to get mangosteen or moringa or anything like that up here up north in Canada. We don't make those in this country, so... If our food industry wasn't the way it was, do you think we could actually make and have all these healthy supplements that people could take worldwide? Do you think that's a possibility? I believe that's mostly the cause of why there's so many health issues in the world. But do you believe that we could maintain, I don't know how many billions of people there are now, but could we make enough supplements so everyone could stay alive? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, at this point, what you're talking about, I don't think it all requires supplements. Like we're always going to need supplements, especially minerals. If we're going to live this way, we're not irrigating our fields with mineral rich water. We're not burning wood as our primary fuel for cooking and heating. So we don't have concentrated plant derived minerals left over in the form of wood ash or rice straw ash, you know, for not eating whole animals, literally everything from the bones to the ears, to the stomach lining, you know, for not eating whole animals, we need to figure that out somehow in supplements. Yes. But these superfoods, it's great that we have products that are based on these superfoods. And I think we should continue doing that. It's a very innovative and smart way to make supplements, taking a bunch of superfoods and basically freeze drying them kind of like coffee crystals and adding them into a blend with a whole bunch of other essential nutrients. It's a really great way to form the base of a supplement. But these same things, we could grow them indoors. It's not a big problem. We could grow them outdoors too. But even in Canada, I have a friend who in the Niagara region, south of Toronto, he has a warehouse indoor growing operation, organic and he is now, he has his products in grocery stores. I think he's mostly focusing on like arugula and spinach and other greens that are easy to grow. But that could be done with minerals as well. You could have a nice uh, crop of minerals in the aquaculture or the, the hydroponics or whatever it is. You could have them have minerals, could grow it indoors, you could utilize glass properly. And so we don't need to rely fully on electric lighting and stuff like that but either way if it was electric yes it's totally possible to grow these things on a large scale just the, yeah the food industry is mostly focused on the key crops especially those that are subsidized by the u.s and canadian governments and other governments like corn and wheat and even uh, milk and, and other cattle products many different foods peanuts these are all subsidized by the american government and so obviously this is what farmers focus a lot of attention on, but demand in recent years for healthy foods has gone through the roof. So even in my little town way up north, we have an excellent health food section. It's pretty big. And this is becoming common in small towns all over the place. And small towns are a good metric because if you can find healthy food in a small town, then you can definitely find it in a bigger town. And this is becoming true everywhere. You're being able to get gluten-free options basically everywhere. And other uh, things in the health world, they're making their way onto labels. And this will happen. There will be more than enough demand for these superfoods where they can do them properly. And even right now, you can buy some of these things at a regular grocery store, especially frozen. You can buy them frozen. Frozen's not completely optimal, but it's next best after fresh. Or maybe the freeze-dried version in supplements is, is better than frozen. But still, it, it is becoming available. And yeah, it could 100% become 
a normal thing. And I think we should make our own juices and use these foods anyways, not just in supplements. It's great to concentrate them in supplements, but we could have them as part of our regular menu as well. We're very restricted in what we're basically allowed to eat in this food supply. You know, there's thousands of different varieties of apples, for example, but you'll probably only see like six, eight, maybe maybe 12 different types of apples at a big grocery store. Where again, it could be thousands upon thousands. Same with tomatoes. You know, different varieties of tomatoes and cucumbers and uh, squashes and all this stuff that there is. They're just not really available because they've standardized our options down. And I heard you talking about also in the book uh, about all the uh, the dams in the world. So obviously, all of our farm fields are not getting those floodplains for all the mineral-rich soil. If we just got rid of all of those, would that make it a lot easier to grow all this type of food for everybody? I think so. Well, we make up for that with fertilizer, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium fertilizer, NPK fertilizer. You have to use that because we're growing on barren soils that are missing many of the key minerals in the topsoil. And we've known this for 100 years, you know, the USDA and US Senate, they've known about this for 100 years that soil depletion has been a problem. They've known, again, 100 years, 1920s, that people eating processed foods were deficient in nutrients. Iodine was the first one added into food supplies, added into salt in 1920s to make up for deficiencies in processed foods. And soil is part of that. Yeah. It could be reverse the dams. It'd be a heck of a thing to reverse the dams because we use these dams for electricity generation, right? Think of Niagara Falls, think of Hoover Dam, but there's around a million dams in the world, over 900,000 dams in the world. So pretty much every major river, every important river is already dammed and Countries are reliant on that hydroelectricity, like Canada, Southern Ontario, Quebec, were hugely dependent on that electricity, upstate New York, you know, Niagara Falls powers a, a huge chunk of people and land, we would just have to replace that with something, first of all, second of all, we used to build in anticipation of flooding, right, we used to recognize that fields flooded every year, that riverbanks flooded and basins flooded every year. Now we expect flood control because we have dams. So we've built in a lot of areas that would be completely decimated if we took the dams away. So it'd be a pretty huge ask to do that. Is there any other way to replenish the soils other than large scale irrigation? I don't really think so. Massive composting efforts, which you see a lot of farmers still do with manure and stuff like that, but pretty difficult to get that much compostable material. And, and mineral material, right? Mud, silt, clay to put back on the fields, especially gigantic commercial fields. We're talking, you know, many, many, many dump trucks worth of compostable, organic and mineral rich material that would need to go onto the fields because that's what the rivers would do. They would flood with huge amounts of mud and silt and clay and dirt and all this stuff that's got minerals in it. That would put that onto the fields. I don't know how to replace that without irrigation. And I, I don't think technically, you know, politically, I don't think we can get the dams down at this point, which is one of the reasons we're going to have to continue to supplement. Like, it doesn't really matter how smart we are. We've put ourselves into this situation where we have huge demands from hydroelectricity. We have governments who have taken power or taken investment away from oil and gas so now they're trying to do it they're trying to make up for it with 
solar and wind, they're just not going to be able to do it. Basically, that those technologies are far too inefficient and unpredictable. That hydroelectricity, oil, and nuclear are, are really carrying all the weight here. And again, politically, the liberal world, I guess, is generally against nuclear power. So I don't know what they're going to replace this hydroelectricity with. This would just be a massive, multi-decade project of unengineering our electricity supply. That's pretty intense. Yeah, we I got was ourselves gonna... into a pickle, right? We can't use wood e either. We can't go back to wood. We can't. England, the whole island of England, stripped itself of all of its trees. All of them. This is why the U.S. patent number one was for a process of turning wood ash into fertilizer to ship to England. Because England burned all its trees. And this, they were stuck using coal. So if we, with the amount of people that we have, the amount of industry that we have, you know, the civilization that we have, we can't just switch back to wood. We'll strip our trees pretty quickly. And I understand how many trees we have. I live up here in this ocean of trees up north. You know, it's bigger than several European countries combined, just this one forest alone. But the amount of power that we actually use, the amount of heat that we actually use, I do think it would be impossible with our society right now to switch back to wood either. We could easily switch back to eating whole animals. That could happen. You know, they commonly have liver now available at most grocery stores that I see. It's because there's a pretty big demand for liver right now. Same thing could easily happen with kidneys and brains. And some people might be squinching right now saying, oh, that sounds gross. Well, no, this is how we efficiently use animals. First of all, if you care about animals and we go through all this effort of breeding them and growing them and slaughtering them, we might as well actually get use out of them. You know, we might as well use their hides for leather. It's an excellent material. We might as well use their connective tissue in their body, which we need to rebuild our own connective tissue. But no, what we do currently is we usually only eat the muscle, which we call meat, right? A couple of organs are becoming popular, but we could easily eat the whole animal. This is one thing we could, in fact, do. We could bring back traditional recipes of cooking with the stomach lining and the intestines and the brains and the eyes and some of these things are absolutely delicious. Luke, you remember when we were in Windsor, when I was in Windsor, you would come to visit my favorite yeah. thing ever. We had a Filipino blood. restaurant next door to us. Yeah, blood stew. Yeah. Blood stew. Dinaguan. Incredible. You've never, you've never felt so alive until you've had blood stew. It's, it's insane. My brain would feel like it's being massaged. Just unbelievable. And I actually think that blood would be one of the most nutritious possible foods that we could consume. You think about it, all the nutrients are in your blood. Your body works very hard to maintain the blood, meaning if you're deficient in calcium, for example, your body will pull calcium from the bones in order to maintain the blood. So you might actually have a calcium deficiency, but your blood won't show it. Your blood will still have healthy calcium in it. And in the case of farm animals, we give them foods that we've already figured out nutritionally. They have the minerals in it. You know, they're eating alfalfa-based foods a lot of the time. Alfalfa is high in calcium, low in phosphorus. I'm not going to get into that. You know, they're eating these animal pellets and stuff that have all these nutrients in it. So their blood is extremely, extremely healthy. And I'm just saying out of the three main ways that we could get more minerals into our food supply, I think that's the only one that we could realistically do. Eat the what entire about, animal. What about wild animals? Like, obviously, it depends on where you live. Up north where you are, if you were to hunt a wild animal, you'd probably have a better, healthier animal. But if you were towards the city, I would say no. You'd probably want not want to eat that one, right? 
Well, it depends how close to the city. I wouldn't want to eat a raccoon in, in the city, right? I don't think I'd ever want to eat a raccoon, but... <laughs> <laughs> I would feel good about eating animals up here. And, and I would say that it's probably a better nutritional idea to eat the small animals. You know, a lot of us know that you can't just survive on rabbit, for example. It's too lean, I think it is. It'll cause nutrient deficiencies, but now and then eating an entire rabbit, because you can easily boil the bones down, make a stew from the bones. You can easily eat all the organs. You can eat the whole thing in a couple of sittings and basically literally eat the entire thing snout to tail. Very little of it you can't eat, but yeah, it's hard to do with a whole like cow. Yeah. Small animals are easier to catch. I just imagine that any of us big carnivore animals most of what we're actually catching or able to eat in a wild environment are small animals. Rabbits being a great example. Mm -hmm. Can and you... We could do that too. We could bring that back. They farm rabbits up here. The natives do. They farm rabbits. They they sell the meat and they sell the fur and they even sell the feet. Good luck charms. Yeah. Everything's too instant. Everyone's too modernized in what they're doing. There's very few people who live in a way that would make them live to 100. So for us that live in the city, the way we gather our food, I think supplementing is the best thing. Well, supplementing is mandatory. I mean, even where I live, I can go fishing if I want. I could go fishing. I could go hunting. I could garden. It'd be a lot of work to do all this. Yeah. But I know I'm at least going to still be deficient in selenium. I know there's not enough selenium in these soils and mm -hmm. you just can't know what's in your particular soil and not even your field. I mean, that square foot right there that that one plant is growing in, you, you have no way of knowing what minerals are in it. And like I said, there's huge swaths of earth that are deficient in selenium. That's only one of the most important nutrients. I would just bet that I wouldn't be getting it. I, I know from the maps, there's not enough of the soils. You could do everything right and still be nutrient deficient. That's what I'm saying. The longest of people who happen to get all their nutrients, they happen to live in places where all the minerals are available. Chances are you don't, you don't. So it is also very impractical to try and do all of that. I recognize that, that even those of us who want to, a lot of people fantasize about having like a homestead or something. I don't think they have any actual idea of the work involved, but if they did, they would realize that, wow, supplementing is actually a really great deal, especially when it's when it's done right. It's done with good organic stuff. And, you know, these super juice bases like I was talking about in our plant derived minerals, which I don't think we'll have time to really get into. But, you know, they're highly absorbable and all this stuff. And what are you going to do? Are you going to burn organic material all the time to get the ash? Are you going to irrigate fields with mineral rich water? Are you going to guarantee that there's enough minerals in your soils? Right. You're probably just not. It's too much work, even if you did. So for the vast majority of us, really, the only physical way it's possible to get all the nutrients is to supplement. And that would be true, even if it was a good food supply, a food supply that focused on, you know, organic variety, seasonally available stuff where it's appropriate to the climate, literally all that stuff. They still couldn't get enough minerals into their soils. In just a few seasons, you're going to strip a huge amount of the most important minerals, especially the big ones, going to pull them out of the soil. You grow the plant on the soil, you take the plant away, the plant left with the minerals. They're gone. If there's nothing putting them back in. That's it. So that problem just isn't going to be fixed. It could be potentially in some places, 
not not on any kind of a commercial or societal scale. Uh, again, maybe we could control it all indoors. I, I don't think we should do all of our crops indoors, but some of these more tropical ones and juice ones, super juice, stuff like that. Those could easily be done. You could control the mineral content of those. We'd have to use things like our humic shale deposit with basically the ancient desiccated sea moss. You could do that. I heard that's very expensive. I heard, or it's going to be very expensive. It might be, but I mean, we've got a hundred cubic miles and, and that's on a mountain in Utah, in Emory, Utah. And that deposit is actually much bigger. It's just that the family that owns the part that we use, they only own a hundred cubic miles, but a hundred cubic miles is a lot. Cubic miles. It's a, Pretty unbelievable number, actually. It's pretty hard to envision. I've been up there, seen the deposit, stood in front of it, and you can only see the kind of the entrance to the seam, but you can see the mountain range that it's in. And yeah, this humic shale vein goes on and on and on. And yeah, there are other parts of it that are just as big, more than 100 cubic miles of, that other people own. And Dr. Wallach divulged to me recently that they have been using other deposits now. Over the years, they've identified three or four more, I believe, three or four more deposits around the world, different places in the world where these humic shale deposits also exist. And they can also be harvested from seawater. We can grow algae in the sea, harvest that algae. It's a lot less efficient to do it that way because we have ancient sea moss, basically, that's compressed on top of a mountain. It's just sitting there in, in a form that's all you have to do is drop it in water. And, and filter it, it's done, right? You don't have to grow it and harvest it and do all this other stuff and use energy to dry that algae out as well. It's already done for you. That's the cheapest way to do it. But yeah, we have identified more deposits and we are using them now. So this was only a matter of time. This is a big world. There's no way the only deposit of viable humic shale is in Emory, Utah. There has to be more deposits. And in fact, there is. So there, there is more than enough. Dr. Wallach estimates that the one deposit alone that we have, the 100 cubic miles, is enough for all of humanity for thousands of years. I don't know if his math is correct there, but it's a lot. It's at least 100 years for all of humanity, by my estimate. And I don't even have the right math to go off of. I'm just ballparking. No. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. So we only have 100 years left, right? Well, maybe we take all these minerals and we live longer than that and we see the deposit run out, but I doubt it. Well, we're good. We're good. Um, I actually have two more questions for you, and then I'm going to leave it at that. The first one is, what inspired you to write this book? Because it's very well done. I do like it so far, and it's uh, very informative. And, and I just want uh, our listeners to know what inspired you to write this. Well, Fake Diseases was uh, my first health book, and it was kind of a success, and it, it covered... A wide variety of things. I kind of wanted to just go broad and lay out very general terms for dis for different disease categories. And my thesis there in fake diseases that if it doesn't need treatment, then it shouldn't be called a disease. And I was thinking about what to do next. And I figured I should pick one of the things that just affects millions upon millions upon millions of people. And when I was looking at the largest categories of disease, blood sugar was up there. Like I said, it was called widely called the most expensive disease in America. 
over a third. This is what mainstream says. They believe that at least a third of the American population has a medically significant blood sugar problem. So that's over 100 million people just in my backyard alone. And that's not even including Canada or Mexico. Mexico, I believe, is actually leading the world in diabetics right now in raw numbers. I think I'd have to check that. But they're they're up there. They're competing with the United States and being the most diabetic nation out there. And like I said at the beginning, that's only talking about diabetes type one and two and maybe pre-diabetes. But I think if you truly add pre-diabetes in, now you're looking at close to half of the American population with a medically significant blood sugar problem. And then if you add in those other things like the behavioral problems, ADD, ADHD, bipolar, manic depression, that mainstream medicine has no idea what's going on, really. They don't even understand blood sugar. They don't They don't get it. They don't know what constitutes healthy blood sugar. All they know how to do is put drugs in that basically trick your body. So if you add in the behavioral problems and those sleep problems, again, narcolepsy, bedwetting, night talking, night walking, nightmares, grinding your teeth at night, sweating at night, waking up to urinate, add all those problems in. And I think we're at more than half of people have a blood sugar problem. As you saw, I, I took the opportunity to go deep into digestion too. I was basically just looking for something that I could give a lot of information that affects a lot of people. I don't want to write something on some rare disease that only 16 people in the world have, right? That's not going to be that applicable to the average person. But my hope I was that if all these people who they know they have a blood sugar problem, their doctor told them they have a blood sugar problem. If they knew that just fixing this would help them with basically everything else like not the calcium deficiency and stuff like that, but we talked about like 75% of diseases that we see are in these those three categories, blood sugar, digestion, and soft tissues. And those three overlap a lot. And one of them in one category can cause the other two. Then I hoped that people who are just trying to fix their blood sugar problem could also correct their blood pressure, their blood cholesterol, their chronic fatigue, their female problems, endometriosis, polycystic ovary disease, which is almost always going to have obvious blood sugar symptoms as well. Pretty much any female problem that you could name, menopause symptoms, hot flashes, all this stuff. They're probably going to have other symptoms of blood sugar because I bet they also have a blood sugar problem. So it was kind of a sneaky way to really answer your question. It's kind of a sneaky thing. I wanted to use something where I could sneak the whole message in, right? Talking about digestion, talking about foods, talking about nutrients and minerals and why there's not enough in the foods and all that, the history of foods, why our modern food supply is so much worse than it should be and all, all this stuff. What's the difference between processed foods and real foods? Because it's not just about blood sugar, right? But to correct your blood sugar, I think you need to know all that other stuff. And just consequently, if you know about this other stuff, like in here, I've got dehydration chapter, fatty nutrient chapter. So that's water-soluble nutrients and fat-soluble nutrients. I just tricked you into knowing that. Now... If you know about all these other nutritional things, you know we can't get enough minerals in the food supply, you know you got to correct your digestion in order to fix almost any problem, then you can indeed, as the subtitle on this book says, the subtitle is Simple Strategies to Conquer Almost Any Health Problem, right? My hopes was that just by learning about blood sugar itself, and if you do just apply this just for blood sugar, you'll probably be surprised, maybe not if you read the book, pleasantly surprised that you actually fix your other symptoms too, right? You actually lose the weight. You don't have the gangrene anymore. You don't have the varicose veins anymore. You can see again. You don't need reading glasses anymore, right? You name it. Hair color comes back. If it's females, they're the ones who get their hair back the most easiest. 
They're females. Maybe they're growing their hair back. Maybe they used to have a mustache and they're losing it. All these things, you fix the blood sugar and you can see the hormone problem get fixed. You can see the skin problem, you know, or you don't have the migraines anymore, all that stuff. I think it all circles back, Ryan, to the same like thing, honestly. Even when I was started the Longevity products, I'd still have blood sugar problems because I would get night sweat. So I think everyone gets that a bit. So I think I would say it'd be more than half. I would say even 80%. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, especially like you said, you could be on the products and you could have too much sugar at night, alcohol, something like that. You threw your blood sugar off just for a few hours, but now you wake up sweating at night, right? Or you wake up, you need to urinate. That wasn't normal. And people might think that's a very minor thing. Well, not really. Sleep is incredibly important, incredibly important for your hormone production, your mood, your mental health, your nutrients, the way that you can produce nutrients. You need sleep. To do all these things. And if you're waking up every night covered in sweat, have to change your shirt. If you wake up three, four, five times a night to urinate, you're not getting a good sleep. That alone will add up. We'll start to deteriorate other systems. You'll you'll start feeling groggier and groggier as the days and weeks and months and years go on. And so, yeah, these minor, minor blood sugar problems, like they're not clinical. You're, you're not going to get metformin for night sweats. And doctors usually don't even know that's a blood sugar problem dentist will just give you a mouth guard they won't tell you about a blood sugar problem but yeah those minor things add up to just an unhealthy life in general so blood sugar can be a centerpiece of this and when i looked at all the different diseases deciding what to write this book on blood sugar was the most obvious because it was the one with the furthest reaching tentacles right the one that that's involved in so many other problems and if you can fix your blood sugar you can probably fix those other problems too I know you uh, talk to uh, Mr. Joel Wallach a lot, or when you can, because he's a very busy man. Did When you brought this up to him that you're going to write this book, what did he have to say? Well, he gave me the okay on the manuscript, too. He, he said, yeah, I don't really have any problems with this at all. It cover, It's a good, broad scope of the message. I think even he said that it was, yeah, it was kind of sneaky. Like, you think this is just going to be about blood sugar, but no, it's actually about the whole message that we normally talk about and and doc will do the same thing right he'll say okay this talk we're going to talk all about this one thing but yeah really he talks about our normal everything yeah get off the bad foods you need all these different nutrients for all these different things it's unfair to just zero in on a couple of nutrients so yeah he liked it and i'm glad he likes the cookbook even more He, he promotes the cookbook a lot oh yeah okay well for our listeners that just listen to audio and maybe don't have Instagram. Are we on Facebook, by the way? Kind of, yeah. We, we do post automatically yeah, to Facebook, yeah. Mostly Instagram. So if no one knows, well, it's uh, Wallach's Warriors. Uh, you can come visit us on there and then DM, DM us anytime. But for people that don't have or are not on Instagram or just listening to audio and are not currently taking supplements yet, is there anything that anybody can do to better their blood sugar levels without supplementing right away. Do you have any recommendations? Yes. And first of all, I should say you can contact us anyway, by the way, we give you free health consultations. We don't charge. We give you a questionnaire. We give you our best advice to follow it. That's about food and supplements. It's no obligation. You don't have to buy anything. We just tell you our opinion Anything that's specific to you, we'll give you a supplement recommendation. 
and you can take it or leave it. But yes, if you want to just start fixing your blood sugar now, like normal, this would normally come up with a bunch of other problems. If you only got rid of gluten, those greens I mentioned earlier, not just gluten, but wheat, barley, rye, oats, quinoa, buckwheat, you completely get rid of those. That alone should reduce or eliminate inflammation in the intestine. So now you can absorb more nutrients. We hardly even talked about the fatty nutrients, but they're big. Fatty nutrients, they don't get broken down in the stomach. It's proteins and carbs that get broken down in the stomach. And they'll be begin breaking down in your mouth too. Fats are mostly broken up in the intestine. That's also where nutrients are absorbed. Remember we talked earlier, the pancreas and the gallbladder, they dump enzymes and bile into the small intestine when the food comes out of the stomach and gets dropped in the small intestine. That bile is supposed to break up those fats so that it can be absorbed. Fats are a bit hard to absorb. They're a bit big and they do require those enzymes and, and the bile there to actually do that. So these fatty nutrients are difficult to absorb and the gluten inflames the intestines. So it makes it even harder to absorb nutrients. So the fatty nutrients are already difficult to absorb. Eating gluten makes it more difficult. So eating gluten is the number one cause of fatty nutrient deficiency. And fatty nutrients, I mentioned, it's what the pancreas is made of. And it's not just the pancreas. The fatty nutrients are ridiculously important. They are involved in blood sugar. They're involved in all the glands in your body, all the soft tissues of your body, all your skin and connective tissue. All this stuff is soft tissue. Your brain, your nervous system is largely these fatty nutrients. Your immune system is hugely dependent on these fatty nutrients. So gluten is the number one cause of fatty nutrient deficiency, in my opinion. And it's not just an opinion, it's experience too, because we say this all the time, and many people, that is the first thing they do. They just go gluten-free. And they come back and they message us many times. Yes, we've had this many times. They say, hey, my blood sugar is better. My blood pressure is better. My blood cholesterol is better. My weight is better. I lost 20 pounds in two months. This kind of stuff we hear all the time just by going gluten-free. And that is free. You don't have to buy that. You just don't spend your money on the gluten. You don't buy it from us. That's one. Number two, sugar, processed sugar. We didn't even bring up processed sugar in this conversation. I should probably bring it up very quickly. Sugar needs nutrients to process it. We already talked about chromium and vanadium, but it's also B vitamins. It's also zinc. We, we need nutrients to process sugar. So the more sugar we eat, the more nutrients we need. We're already nutrient deficient. There's not enough minerals in the soil in the food supply period. So the more sugar we eat, the more we increase the deficiencies, especially of those key ones that we need to handle the sugar. And by the way, natural, wild, raw cane sugar and stuff is supposed to have these minerals in it, at least some of them. And they're stripped out when you process them. So yeah, quitting gluten and processed sugar, those two things, by far, top of the list, things that you could do to improve your blood sugar without knowing anything else. And I did mention the dehydration, you know, using enough salt, drinking enough water, using enough salt, enough electrolytes and enough water to be hydrated properly key if you did those three things alone you'll probably see a blood sugar result especially if you're overweight already maybe by the time you lose the weight and get to a healthy weight you won't have a blood sugar problem anymore because now your deficiency is not as pronounced you're making more with less because your body's not burdened down trying to use all these nutrients to digest the sugar and other processed foods so they don't need to buy anything for that and even 
a great baseline supplement program, even if it's not hitting every box, we can still do the 90 essential nutrients with less than five bucks a day. Like it is very reasonable to do. But yeah, if anybody wants to start implementing these things, that is the top of your list. 100% get rid of gluten. Be serious about it. Be serious about learning all the hidden sources like gravies and soy sauce and whatnot. No wheat, barley, rye, oats, quinoa, buckwheat. You add processed sugar to that list. These are the two biggest things that you can possibly do without buying something to help your blood sugar. So, Ryan, I like all the advice that you've given us today. Every week, I think what we're going to do every Saturday, we're going to do a podcast. I'm going to ask Ryan questions. He's going to give us answers on uh, all the healthy things we can do and things we can prevent so we can have healthy bodies. Ryan, thank you very much for having me on again, buddy. I appreciate it. Luke, I appreciate uh, you a ton being my wingman here. And I would like to do these more often. I appreciate you pushing me to do them as well. I know you do Q&As on Instagram every single day. Um, I'm, maybe even the questions today were asked, but we also want to expand. And people that do not listen to our Instagram page, we also, if you're, what are we on, Spotify? Yeah, we're on a lot of different podcasts, but most of them will be Spotify. Most of the listeners will be on Spotify. Spotify. So we just want to take the good message. And Ryan... You're a, a good supporter of Longevity, if not one of the top guys, and you know a lot about a lot. You know what? You've helped me. You've helped a lot. You've helped a lot of people, and it's a good community to be a part of. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say. Everyone have a good day, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, I appreciate you tons, Luke. We'll just sign off here. Thank everyone for joining us. And of course, once again, you can find this book, Everything You Should Know About Healthy Blood Sugar. It's on Amazon. You can also find it on my website, notusbooks.org. And you can find the audiobook version there for free. Currently, it's only on YouTube where I read it for you. You can read along with it. It was on podcast before Spotify deleted my podcast. Long story. I've spoken of it elsewhere. But now that I'm back on podcast, I just haven't uploaded this yet. So I will shortly coming soon. Stay tuned. For those of you who are listening on my website, which you can also, notusbooks.org, you can see the archive of podcasts that I have there, which I made since Spotify deleted the podcast. I wanted to make an archive, back all this up. And for those who do listen on my website, I've got a special treat for you. After I sign off here, stay tuned. For everybody else, once again, and Luke, thank you all for being here. Until next time. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.